Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Gases on the Right. Let's let's dive right into some Martinsville, some Martinsville racing, short track racing. We can finally give our opinions on the short track package that's been such a such a hype, but such an overhype it may seem. So, but let's um let's dive right in. Where where do we want to start? We want to start with the winner, Daniel. What are you thinking? Yeah, we can start with the winner, Kyle Larson. Got it done. Uh, he's won on both of the short tracks that we've raced this year. I'm not going to include Bristol Dirt. That doesn't count. Or Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> or Phoenix, yeah. <clears throat> oh, he could have won at Phoenix. Yeah, but... I mean, what, second at Phoenix, right? The top five at Phoenix? I think he ended up finishing, like, in the top five. Yeah, I think Blaney ended up second, but... Yep. Yeah, yeah, this, um... Yeah, Kyle Larson, definitely but... short track dominance. Like... Yeah, there's just something about Hendrick Motorsports and Martinsville that, in the words of uh, Ricky Bobby... They go together like cocaine and waffles. <laughs> that is for 28, sure. Twenty-eight organization wins there is a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you got to keep this in mind too. The last, um, each of the Hendrick drivers have won a race there in the last year. They won one of the two races. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that shows that's their track. I mean, it showed in the pre-race too. That was kind of their redemption track or their last ditch effort track with uh oh yeah Jeff that was the Bodine. last race that they were gonna run mm-hmm. and running the five as well was their was their commercial almost as if it was scripted i know everybody loves to talk about that so oh, <laughs> but yeah. the five five wins again five wins again at martinsville larson again i don't want to say he had the best car or a dominant car but he could probably driving up to the lead and keeping the lead. He, well, I mean, it was just whomever was the leader had the best car. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously fuel is not a factor. And unfortunately, again, tires, and we talk about tires, we talk about tires, and we talk about tires, but tire fall off was not a factor like it was at Richmond. So Yeah, there was a little bit of tire fall off, but it was after 80 laps. So, yeah, that was... Stage break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By that point, you're, so, you have a caution to go change them. So it doesn't yeah, really. Because that's what it just ended up being like a position race because Joey Logano went from battling with Denny Hamlin to fight on, to fight to stay on the lead lap to him staying out when Denny Hamlin and had to, was forced to short pit because people behind them started short pitting. And then the caution came out and he got lucky. And now, and then he ended up finishing second just because of how everything ended up playing out. He went from almost going to lap down to finishing second. Yeah, just got got cycled to the lead. I mean, and it, it's one of those things. Now, with that, there were cars that could pass for sure. I mean, we saw it with Alex Bowman earlier in the race, but then the sun came out and he disappeared. But then you saw it with Chase Elliott, which uh, we'll talk about him here shortly with his return. Um, but ran mid twenties all day. And then, and those last in the stage three, late in stage three, really the last restart charged up to a top 10 finish in his return. But I yep, mean, he passed Ty Dillon in points again. <laughs> <laughs> didn't take long. Did it did not take long. Mm-mm. So yeah, I, I mean, congratulations, Kyle Larson. Congratulations to Hendrick for the win. Um, again, it was one of those things of, it came down to where were you when the, when the flags waved at the, at what time. 
So are you going to get cycled to the lead? Are you going to be stuck back in traffic? Because if you're stuck back, you're probably not going anywhere. So again, um, we've been talking about this aero package. We've been, this is kind of the race we've been looking for to see what's going to happen. And I mean, I agree with what you said is it made Martinsville better, but it still didn't fix it. Yep. It was, it was good, but not good enough, you know? Yeah. So with that said though, I mean, we can look, compare it to the truck race a little bit. So the truck race actually started on the rain tires on a almost dry track, which was great. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there was, there was actually tire fall off. <laughs> yeah. Which has brought the debate on groove tires and using like groove tires on for this aero package to help with the tire fall off, to make the racing more competitive, make the drivers drive the car more. Cause that one argument that I've heard is brakes and adjusting the brakes. I really think with brakes being, a safety factor, a much, I don't want to say more important safety factor, but in reality, a more important safety factor. Um, I don't think messing with brake or brake pads or like having to conserve your brakes so you don't lose your brakes. I don't think that that's the way to go, but I do think that maybe creating a tire that has more fall off, which, um, well, it's gotta be a tire that falls off and you gotta be able to be putting down enough oomph in your vehicle to wear the tire out like that tire that Goodyear's bringing might be good if the vehicles had enough power to wear the tire you know yeah and that that's something that I've heard discussed as well as upping the horsepower so mm-hmm. going to like a 7 or 750 package on them and I, I think that would do it I mean also I mean there's so many different things people have talked about gear ratio horsepower um, tires, brakes, or just adding downforce. RPM, yeah, RPM to where you don't shift and you just let out of the throttle. Yeah, because I mean that was what a lot of guys were saying was like you could blow the corner, downshift, and you're right back with the guy halfway down the straight. Yeah, there's no, there's the room for error is so the margin of error is so wide, it doesn't matter if you make a mistake as long as you don't just completely blow the corner. Yeah. You know. So definitely um definitely need to see something. Obviously, it it did make it better. What was the passing statistic on it? Uh I was listening to NASCAR and NBC and I believe they said it was upwards of like 2000 green flag passes throughout the race. Um uh, which was I think they said more than the last two Martinsville races combined. Yeah. So, so I mean there's more passing, but but just it not. Just wasn't it? Just I want tire wear, tire wear, tire wear. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like like we said at Richmond. I mean, they had if they'd have had the eight sets at Richmond, that race would have been even better than it already was, and it was already a mm-hmm. really good race. So, but I mean, at Martinsville, it didn't matter fuel or tires. You just kind of okay cruise around. Mm-hmm. So if you're follow the leader, I think is what a lot of guys quoted was follow the leader. But um, diving into that truck race though a little bit, that um, so I've heard a lot of things coming off about the wet tire and why they didn't run in the rain when it actually rained again, and then they finished it on a rain short race was because a lot of those truck teams 
didn't have the, NASCAR made them buy the tires, but they didn't really have the funding. Like that's a expense that you use once or a couple times a year that they don't really have the money to expend. I mean, you look at, mm -hmm. I think it was Sheldon Creed was in the truck series and, or I think he won the championship and then didn't have a sponsor for a couple races, like literally ran a white truck. So because he just couldn't find find sponsorship money, and that's what drives those teams. That's what drives all the teams is sponsorship money. So having um having something like that, I I kind of get why they didn't do it because I'm sure that from from what I heard, NASCAR only required them to buy one set. So you got one set with 20 laps on it. It's NASCAR being in the quote unquote fairness that they call it. They're not going to make one team okay. Well. Unfortunately, you got 20 laps on those tires. You got to run them while you got like a JGR that's got four sets in the pits of those. Mm -hmm. So I, I get that, but it's that race was something else, which I, I think we're seeing a lot of that out of the truck series. Um, again, having those that tire fall off that they had was great. I mean, it made for good racing, but then after that, it was the same thing. Just no tire fall off, no tire wear, and just follow the leader. So, yeah, I, I, it's just, it's one of those things to where like, it doesn't matter in the rain situations. It doesn't really matter what NASCAR does at, you know, somebody's going to find something wrong with it, you know? Yeah. Well, I got a helicopter coming by. Yeah. I just <laughs> don't know. I don't know if that's something, I mean, they could have started probably like 30 minutes earlier and actually like got to put those wet weather tires to use because when they did start the race it was it was almost dry within a couple laps you know that's what yeah teams were saying like if they would have gave us the option we would have just started on slicks we didn't even started on the wet weather tires you know yeah or i mean 15 more minutes with the dryers out there mm -hmm. and you got to dry yeah, either or yep so but um but yeah well another uh another storyline from that race are the the new name that may become a household name for the wrong reasons, Carson Hosevar. Dude, what are you doing? Back at it again. What yeah. are you Jesus. doing? I said NASCAR just let him get away with his bullcrap for so long, you know, and then they park him for two laps, and then the race ends. So he didn't really lose any spots. Yeah, no, and I mean, so, and then they didn't give him any further penalty. It's like if you want to like get through to him, suspend him for a race. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, here's here's the thing, and I get that Martinsville is a lower speed track, but you're still doing something very dangerous, and mm -hmm. people absolutely just just just. I mean, everything short of really just kicking him out of anything to Bubba Wallace at Las Vegas for right hooking Kyle Larson, mm -hmm. but. Hosevar does it basically, what, two out of the last three weeks? And he gets parked for two laps total and gets a win? I mean, come on, NASCAR. You you talk about fairness and everything, and then you just park him for two laps and then end the race. I mean, that's – and the, well, that's the my penalties like, have if came you, out if today, you too. Get through, if you want to get through that kid, here's what you do. You park his ass for a week. Don't grant him a playoff eligibility waiver because he did something stupid. So guess what? You might have won a race, but you don't get to be in the playoffs because you missed a race because you were 
because he's driving like a jack leg and then be like so no playoffs good for you you want to race but you don't get to compete in the playoffs yeah because you want to turn people on the racetrack and then guess what nice motorsports is going to do grab him by the back of his fire suit and be like tighten up son because this this ain't gonna cut it for us you know yeah i mean it's one of the things like you may be running up front but come on that is that's unacceptable unacceptable behavior on the racetrack so there is no room for that the only place where that is allowed is nascar heat five or any other nascar video game so but if you got that much anger and that much stress and that much like oh i gotta do this i gotta do this go back to i racing or go i racing i don't even know if you did but that way you're not putting people's lives in jeopardy by doing this because at the end of the day we have to acknowledge that fact yeah, somebody died a week ago. Exactly. And, I mean, that's that was in a, a what, a sprint car, correct, or an outlaw? Mm-hmm. One of the two. So it's, it's, it's not acceptable, and it has no place. Again, they parked Bubba Wallace for a race. He missed a race because of that. And they park him for two laps after he's done it twice now. And these aren't the only – these aren't just isolated incidents. This is – Week in and week he's, out with him. He's got a he's got a pattern. Yeah, this is this is very consistent behavior out of him, as we've seen from last year and this year. So definitely, I mean, we're, we're getting a little heated here, but NASCAR has got to do something other than just pat him, pat him on the head a little bit, and oh, two laps. See you bye. Because here's the other thing: the race goes green. It's a truck series race, so there's going to be probably about 17 more cautions. He's going to get a lucky dog and get cycled mm-hmm. at some point. So then what? <laughs> I mean, then what does your punishment even mean? It means literally nothing. It carries no weight. It's null and void. So great job NASCAR on their officiating on that. Well, yeah, really and that's good. one thing. <clears throat> and I would have been okay with them, like if they would have just parked him for the rest of the race. Yeah, what what they do with Kyle Busch when he uh, spun Ron Hornaday? That was um that was a couple race suspension to the garage, and then which obviously he was in the Cup Series, so it didn't really matter to him, but he just couldn't race in the Truck Series. Yeah, for a couple races. Yeah, I think he got. Suspended but that's back when you could series. run. That's back when you could run every if you ran every race in every series you you could be part of like the. I think you could be part of the championship back then. Yeah. Or no, you couldn't. I think he was just doing it for like owner's points because he still had KBM. Yeah. And I mean, again, they, they did something there, which you could say different situation, but the fact that the fact still stands, it was a completely intentional, right? Same principle though. Yeah. Completely intentional and completely dumb. Just dumb. Like, I, from what I hear and what I've seen, he's a great personality. He's got a great personality. But I tell you what, people may say he has a good head on his shoulders. I don't believe it so much. Um, definitely need to see some maturity out of that. Like we've seen, that's something that we said we we've talked about last year with Ty Gibbs. Is we need to see we need to see maturity. What have we seen this year? Hadn't heard a peep out of him. Exactly. And that's what that's what Carson Hosovar needs to do. Because what this is his first year running truck two full time. Hosovar? Yeah. No, he's been in the truck series full time maybe three years. This might be his third or fourth year. Oh, I guess guess trying to make his name. So, mm-hmm. but again, 
I mean, the other, the the credit the credit that you can shoot to Ty Gibbs is he had the credibility of being good. That's the only thing that you. Well, can and give I him. mean Carson Hosevar, like, I think he's going to be a good racer. He's just not making good decisions. Yeah, racing with his heart on his sleeve, which is not a terrible. Not thing, even yeah. that. He's racing with his head up his butt. Yeah, not his heart <laughs> up his sleeve. He's racing with his head up his butt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely just maturity needs to go up quite a bit for a for him to even look at advancing past the truck series. Cause here's the other thing is like if you were Nobody's a team looking owner, at him if he's doing that. Yeah, oh they're looking at him. And I know we said last week that any publicity is right good publicity. Reasons. But in that case, who wants to put you in the race car if you're going to go out there and try to wreck somebody that could potentially wreck your car? Do you want somebody in your hundreds of thousand dollars race car doing that? No. Yeah. No. Me neither. So that's just, um, I know that was a little bit of a rant by us, but that, that's just unacceptable and no, no place for it. But we, we can move on to, um, we're talking about fairness there for a minute. Let's move on to NASCAR showing some fairness with the colleague final appeal. So I think it was <clears throat> Tuesday. The final appeal was done um, with Bill uh, Mullins, Mullis as the final appeals officer and NASCAR pled a case to him to match Hendrick's penalty in the, in the spirit of fairness per se. Well, so uncommon NASCAR W. Very much so. So Yeah, they said we'll keep the money. You can have the points. <laughs> yeah. So still still a hundred thousand dollar fine, a four race suspension, which I think I don't know is over now. Well no, they remember they um they didn't replace their crew chief, I think, until last week. So I think this week he'll get his crew chief back. But I don't quote me on that, but I know the first week they kept um, they kept him on the box. But oh yeah, because it was Coda was the first week, right? Uh, Atlanta. Oh yeah, hot Atlanta. Yeah. So, but the statement from the final appeals officer is in the interest of fairness. NASCAR NASCAR has requested that I remove the driver owner race and playoff points penalty from college racing. I have agreed to this request per the rule book. Doing it. During its opening remarks, NASCAR stated it believes that the violation did occur, the penalties were appropriate, and the three-person appeals panel ruled correctly. But because Colley's infraction was closely mirrored to that of Hendrick Motorsports, modified louvers at Phoenix Raceway, and if you want some explanation on all that, go back and listen to um, Dueling in the Desert and Cold Lanta. There's all the information about louvers, what they do, and why they were taken is all on there, I promise. Anyways... Moving forward, NASCAR requested I rule this in the same manner as the three persons appeal panel following the Hendrick Motorsports appeal on March 29th. The information I heard in the room this morning created an overwhelming and unique circumstance in fairness to the team and sanctioning body. As NASCAR documented in its remarks, this request is fully in the interest of fairness and consistency, and I agree. So, fairness and consistency at NASCAR's request did not see that coming. I, I did not either. It's very refreshing, very good taste in the mouth per se, um, from NASCAR 
very good look for NASCAR. But also, NASCAR made a separate statement that talked about with the modification to the rule book that now they cannot re- rescind all of one or the other. It's got to be it's got to all be, or nothing. Yeah, that will create a situation where for Austin Dillon, which we'll get to in a minute, is going to be all or nothing. And if another circumstance comes up as the same as Dillon's, they can't compare it and be like, oh, well, you did it here. Why didn't you do it here? So, but that shows that NASCAR is listening to us. Um, we know they're listening to us because they stole our idea on TikTok for their Fox broadcast. So they are, yeah. they're listening. They're listening to everybody. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm very pleased with this. I'm very happy to hear this, especially with the, um, the burn it to the ground mentality that a lot of people had after this happened. And I mean, we were kind of the same way of why. And again, we still don't have an answer of why. We don't know exactly what was up, what they did, anything along those lines. But we do have transparency that they do want consistent and fair treatment when it comes to penalties and appeals. So, yep. Did you break the rules or did you not break the rules? That's all that it comes down to. Yes or no. Yeah. No more gray area. Yeah. And if I don't really care what details they showed if they would have been like, all right, Hendrick got all their points, all their money back, no fines. And been like, all right, cool. But when you say, well, we're going to give them all their points back, but we're going to keep the money. It's like, "Mm, something doesn't sound right. Like you're going to have to explain that to me. And they, they've got to start explaining that or else they're, if, unless they just don't care. I mean, NASCAR probably doesn't care about the heat that they're getting about all this, but that irked a lot of people inside the NASCAR world and not just us fans. Like the people inside the NASCAR world were super irked by that. And NASCAR's like, all right, well, let's make these adjustments to where you're either guilty or you're not guilty. You're either getting all the fines or no fines, not some of the fines, and you get something back, you know? Yeah. And again, just. Really good job by NASCAR to step up and do that and make sure it was done. And that also shows that they, they do care for their teams, too. It's not NASCAR versus the teams or the teams versus NASCAR, but it's a it's a group effort and, a as some people call it, a family effort. So very, very good job by NASCAR. I do applaud them on this one. But as I mentioned a minute ago, a minute ago, Penalties came out today. Austin Dillon is being served an L1 level infraction after this weekend's race. The team violated the overall assembly vehicle rules related to the underwing assembly and hardware. So this resulted in Keith Rodden being fined $75,000 and suspended for the next two race, two points paying races. And the team and driver, uh, loss of 60 owner, 60 points and five playoff points. What was their, uh, what, what rule did they break? It had something to do with like the spoiler or something, didn't it? Yeah. It said the, uh, the underwing assembly and hardware. Um, I, I'm assuming that does have to do with how the spoiler may be mounted or something on those lines, possibly creating more downforce. I, I'm assuming that's what it would have done is created some more downforce in some way, shape, form or fashion. 
uh, toward on the back of the car. So, because I mean, that's what they've been taking away at short tracks. So, but RCR, you uh, you mentioned this. RCR is appealing the penalty, so we'll see how mm-hmm. that goes. I did not read if they're going to have uh, Keith, the crew chief, go ahead and sit out Talladega or not. I don't know if that's been decided or not. But as I would. We know, that's a pretty straightforward call. Do what everybody else is doing, you know. Yeah, and Austin Dillon is pretty, pretty good at some super speedways, so I think he'll be all right, you know. Yeah, that's what. Uh, if they need me to, you know, Richard, I'm one phone call away. I'll come sit on that pit box for you, buddy. Yeah, we we got you covered. <laughs> He'll sit on the pit box, and I'll uh, I'll stand behind it. <laughs> yep. So, but um, yeah. So we'll have to see. They have the appeals. We no dates announced yet. I'm assuming it's probably gonna be about t- two weeks out. It'll either be next week after Talladega or the week after Dover. Um, so. We'll see what happens. Other penalties, um, the 78 team, they lost that tire at Martinsville. So you lost the Jackman and tire changer. And, the, two and the officials lost that tire too. They're like, I don't see it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where's they, it at? What I think um, door bumper clear said 37 seconds that tire was on the track before the caution was thrown, which is almost yeah, two my laps. My thing is like, even Clint Boyer was like, I don't see the tire. And I was like, Quint. Clint, quit lying because I know that you're looking at the screen that I'm looking at, and I can see that tire on the TV. <laughs> what yeah. is NASCAR waiting for? Yeah, what like, is, what is going on? <laughs> I think I saw like Bubba Wallace. Like, man, I think I'm pretty sure it was him. He came pretty dang close to like just clobbering that tire coming off the corner. Yeah, and that that tire is but going. Not, it wasn't only him; it was a bunch of different cars. I was like, all right, where's the caution? Where's the caution? Still no caution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, we all see the tire. <laughs> yeah, if, if you'd have uh, ran I mean, high guess, off a four, I guess Stevie Wonder was the was the corner official. Was like <laughs> he's feeling around <laughs> with a stick. Like I don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, a, like, bro, it's right there. <laughs> I've been doing this thing uh, with my dog, where I'll call his name and just look over his head. So that was NASCAR looking for that tire, just like, what tire? Just looking over his head, and it's like trying to lick you in the face, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's what that kind of reminded me of, which also raises the question, and it's the same question that I heard earlier today, but can the flag stand not throw the caution themselves? Because nope. there's no way that he didn't see it either. Oh, he, he was looking right at it. Like, he was like, Bueller... Bueller, Bueller, <laughs> where are you? Yeah, so. <laughs> he was just sitting there waiting. Like I got the yellow flag ready. Whenever you guys uh get your thumbs out of your butts and like pay attention, like there's a there's a tire. I'm looking at it. Let me throw the caution. Be like, oh, we're gonna have to investigate for a second. Hold, please. Holding, <laughs> holding, holding. Yeah, I I got the ready the yellow flag ready, but um. I think I got time for a coffee too. Yeah. So, dude, all the time. Go run to the porta potty real quick. Yeah. Uh, Don't run into Brad K though. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, that was um, dude, NASCAR and officiating, NASCAR and race control. When it comes to hitting the button, you know, (laughs) it's like, did they have to go get the key for the black, the glass box? (laughs) Yeah. 
Or were they scared? Somebody that that... shatter it. <laughs> is that is was that their five to go caution that they don't have anymore now? <laughs> Which one was it? You know, they're like, they're like we were saving this one. Oh, we were saving this one, but TV slot, we're not going to be there anymore. So, man, I don't know. <laughs> NASCAR race control, man. They are. It is hit or miss week to week, and I get. I mean, we're all human, but goodness gracious, you have drivers hollering, spotters hollering. You have officials on the corners. You have official in the middle box. Is is nobody communicating? Yeah, and on TV you show the 78 car driving around. No tire. It's got to be out there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what like, was... Look around. What was the game growing up where you'd have to whisper in the ear to the next person? Is it Red Rover? Telephone. Telephone. Goodness, I had that totally wrong. But yeah, no, that's, that's yeah, what it Red felt Rover's... like they probably... <laughs> When you send Allen right over, <laughs> well, then it's in the the and the safety truck right over to get that tire. But yeah, I mean, I guess I guess we've lost the use of walkie talkies and uh, just uh, play telephone through the the stands. So that was oh man, dude, NASCAR, get it together. Yeah, it was like when you tell like your girlfriend like. Oh, babe, you're so pretty. She's like, no, I'm not. Stop it. It's like, hey, there's a tire on there's on the track. No, it's not. You're <laughs> like, crazy. Yes, yes it is. So, Look. <laughs> why are you lying to me? Like, I don't even see yeah. a car in the pits. <laughs> yeah. That's because he's going down the that's back exactly, straight on his bumper. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I imagine that, that conversation had to have went. Like, no, it's not. Don't be yeah. silly. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it was it was that, or it's like those action movies where they're hiding right on the other side of the counter, and the guy just looks straight over it, but doesn't look down. <laughs> like that's that's race oh, control yeah, looking like, at that tire. <laughs> yeah, like in a horror movie when somebody's like tucked down behind the couch, and the and the scary guy or whatever is just like looking like. Hmm. There's no way he's <laughs> behind that away. couch. Yeah. Can't be. I'll just go Yo, over here. Yeah, that's <laughs> too obvious. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess they were trying to make this follow the leader game a little more exciting to play uh, dodge the tire. Yeah. So, Dude, could you imagine like because they're gassing up out of that corner? If that tire rolls down the track a little bit, somebody's coming out of that corner too wide, and they just yeet that tire. Like how far that thing would have launched? See, I'm wondering if it yeet the tire or if it ended up like that Kia in California. They got launched off of that uh that Silverado's tire that's all over like um all over social media that went viral. Did you see that video? <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> like, would this just but, have been like, uh, wow, you NASCAR flipped at Martinsville? A little bit heavier than a, a Kia Soul, though. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, potato, potato, you know, the speed. Well, and... <laughs> I mean, you've seen those cars can take a take a lick with how hard they hit each, can hit each other on the bumper. <laughs> yeah, but they've never hit something that round. Only curved. <laughs> But, That's one of those things that you'd have to like see it, but at Martinsville, that could that could go bad for somebody. Yeah, yeah, that stands. That could have been uh, that really could have been a bad accident. Which the other thing again, like you said, they're gassing up off that corner. You're downshifting normally to uh, get that speed, and if the guy inside you downshifts and runs up into you, you now have a new obstacle. So it is not going to act like a Mario Kart question box. And give you a banana peel to throw back behind you. <laughs> no. It's gonna be a green tur- turtle shell. <laughs> no, no. If you get hit, if you run into a tire on the track, 
that's it. That's like you got hit with the blue shell, you know, (laughs) (laughs) right at the end of the race. You know, you're about to cross the finish line. You got a hefty lead in Mario Kart blue shell every time. Man, every time, too. Every time. And then you get passed for the win. It's always a Mm -hmm. shame. Always a shame. That's the worst. I hate that so much. So my girlfriend doesn't. She loves that. (laughs) I may be 25, but I will rage quit Mario when that happens to me. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, man. It'd be like it'd be like when you hit it, you're the blue shell, and then everybody else in front of you is like getting passed by the bullet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. So, oh, <laughs> uh, this agon tires now got me wanting to play Mario Kart. Yeah. <laughs> Moving forward, though. So let's uh let's let's talk about some a little bit a little bit more of the race. Really, I want to talk about one team in particular. I know we both do, and that's Stuart Haas Racing because we have been down their throats since. Pause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what twenty nineteen or twenty twenty? <laughs> but they so they all qualified in the top ten. Ryan Priest leads all stage one. Then I think what he had a pit road penalty. Yeah, speeding penalty. Speeding penalty. Which was poor communication between the team that he was like, because for whatever reason, they had the first pit stall not available. So he had to use the second pit stall. And he was like, I can gas it up out of here. Like if I'm in the first pit stall and I won't speed, right? And they're like, "Uh, yeah, sure. (laughs) Try it. (laughs) And he tried it and he could not. And they were like, well, now we know. And his race was ruined. Yeah, when I first saw that, I was like, because I watched through stage one and everything and I watched that and I watched, they always show the race off pit row. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, he is moving. I was like, did he not get penalized for that? And then I saw the blue lights with the speed and penalties. And I was like, Oh, nope. They got him. Yep. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. So, Stuart Haas looked, I mean, all their cars looked so fast on Sunday, but they just had poor execution. Yeah. Denny Hamlin and did not get the fit and they didn't get the finishes that they, that reflected how they ran all race. Yeah. I said Denny Hamlin. I meant to say uh, Kevin Harvick running up front all day, and I think the lug nut sheared off because it wasn't mm-hmm. tight. He had to go back in, unscheduled stopped, went down, and he ended up. And then up... he had to put three lap scuffs on his right front, and then he had three fresh tires, which completely threw off his balance. Yeah. And it was right at the end of the race. His day was done. Yeah, he finished I 20... I don't remember what happened to Eric Almarola. He probably 20th. had a bad pit stop or something. Oh, well, Chase Briscoe and up... Eric finished 5th and 6th. Oh, really? Yeah, I think Eric got cycled with uh, Joey. Ah. So, and then but Briscoe just was... But he was there at the beginning, and then he just kind of fell off. You know, once you get mired back in track position, you're mired back in track position. Yeah, and that's just but where you're going to I guess sit. He, he flipped that cycle and ended up making it work for him. Yeah, again, a little bit of strategy, a lot of bit of luck. Um, got him a top top ten finish, finished sixth. Chase Briscoe, most consistent out of the group. Um, fifth place finish. I know we were talking about Ryan Priest. He's top fifteen, finished fifteenth. Um, but Chase Briscoe, I mean, Stuart Haas, bad execution. It seemed like really, um, really. I saw something funny from Chase though. He so he had surgery on his on his finger Monday, and he said he, he posted on social media if he starts sucking again that he's gonna have to have him re break it. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, top five finish for Chase, but hopefully some glimmer of hope from Stuart Haas that we've been dying to see since Kevin Harvick's 10-win season, 9-win season in 2020. Yeah. And they so, just fell off the map ever since then, really. Yeah. Which, I mean, they've been off the map other than Kevin Harvick since probably 2015, 2016. Since Tony Stewart retired. Yeah. So, really, really a good sign to see, especially for the whole team to be up there. Again, bad execution ended ended their day as a team. But luckily, they still had some cars, get some good finishes. So, and then another good finish. We touched on him in the pre-race. But Chase Elliott, NASCAR Golden Boy, finishes 10th after running yeah. mid-pack all day. Or actually 20th and back, 25th and back all day, basically. So I think he fell as far as 31st. And I don't know if he went a lap down, but um, qualified 24th, finished 10th, had a really good late race run, which I think attributed to probably the track heating up with the sun coming out. Um, saw saw a lot of speed out of that car there at the end. I mean, I think he came up ten positions in the last restart, that last long green flag run. So kudos to him, good sign. Yeah, that's not an easy track to come back at, and uh, I know a lot of people didn't expect him to, weren't probably weren't expecting him to come back. But like like me yeah. and you talked, uh, he's a race car driver and he's competitive. And if they say yeah, you could get back in the car. It might not be the best race. He's going to be like, all right, put me back in. Yeah, put me in, coach. So you know, Two weeks ago at Richmond, he saw someone almost not. I mean, Josh Berry wasn't going to win that race, let's be honest. But he could have had Kyle Larson slipped up, you know? Yeah, I mean, he was, he he was saw, on the car. He saw his car finish second and have a chance to win with somebody else in the car. And he at that point, he's like, all right, we better uh, – be doing double time on this rehab i gotta get back now yeah yeah i need i need to be back in my ride so and then coming back and being competitive there at the end um it almost does it almost makes me think that he kind of rode around for most of the day to make sure he was good and then finally started really like trying to move forward you know yeah that's what he said after the race he wasn't hurting but i'm sure even if he was hurting he wasn't gonna say he was hurting you know he wasn't gonna lead on to that especially with talladega next week um, or this weekend. Yeah, that one he's going to get to take it easy on that left leg and just prop that bad boy up. <laughs> yeah. Gas is on the right. That's right. That's right. And that's all you got to hit at Dega. So, yeah, gas is on the right. Um, but good, good finish for Chase. Good to see him back. I tell you what, dude, NASCAR hyped that. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We, we wanted to see is the Chase Elliott effect real? And it is, in fact, real. Yep, so, the ratings for the first time all year were more <laughs> than the previous year. Yeah, 2.218 million viewers for Sunday's NASCAR race. And I think, I mean, that's that, that shows that your most popular driver pays dividends. And mm-hmm. that's what... Well, that's also what Door Bumper Clear said, that NASCAR needs to do a better job of marketing the rest of their drivers to where if Chase Elliott isn't there, they're not losing five or 600,000 viewers, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's a, that's a big thing. Like you really need to, cause something again, we're, I, I'm going to pull this from the, them as well is like back in the 2010s, you had 
you had Jimmy Johnson, you had Jeff Gordon, you had Dale Earnhardt Jr., you had Kevin Harvick, you had Tony Stewart, you had Joey Logano coming into the series who was very promising, you had Denny Hamlin at the time. All these guys were big names, big stars. People loved them. Oh, Kyle Busch as well. Clint Boyer. Clint Boyer. I mean, these were names that people recognized and that were not just names in the NASCAR world, but these guys were also in headlines. And now the 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 name in the headline right now is Cody Ware. So who is Cody Ware? <laughs> he's, he's an arrested NASCAR driver. Oh, well, that fits the stereotype. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Do a better job. You have a superstar of the sport who literally, I think he's won almost every dirt event he's been in this year, Kyle Larson. I mean, absolute, probably the best racer of this generation, all around, all around racer. Like, I expect him to probably run top 10 in the Indy 500 next year. That's going to be awesome. I'm serious. I'm, I, I could, I mean, who knows? He could win the race. He wins in everything else he drives. He's like, Oh, what was the um oh man, what was the what was the Greek mythology where everything he touched turned to gold? I almost said Medusa, but that would have been a little <laughs> a little on the backside. Uh, was it You know what Hermes? I'm talking about? No, 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 no. Hermes I, was the mailman. Alan, <laughs> Alan I'm gonna be honest with you. I just we just told you or we just talked about it. We're twenty five now. We learned about Greek mythology in the fifth grade, buddy. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm just trying to bring some analogies, you know? No, so some, yeah, yeah. some real life We're application. About, about 15 to 16 years years ago. <laughs> hey, hey, we're, we're still young. We may have kids, but yeah. we're still young. <laughs> Midas. Midas. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I everything he touched turned to gold. But it was called, it was King Midas. He had the, yeah, everything he touched turned to gold. King so. Midas. Uh, thank you for pulling that up. So King Midas, I mean, uh, Kyle Larson, same thing. Every race car that he touches or he drives, he's probably got a shot to win. Why is he not plastered everywhere? Why is, don't answer that question. Why is <laughs> Denny Hamlin not plastered everywhere with his outspoken personality? Why is Kyle Busch seen as a crutch Versus a, um, versus a cane. Yeah, I guess that that works. <laughs> why? I mean, why aren't these drivers where they were? And I have an answer. Well, Kyle Larson was plastered everywhere, but that's because he said the N word. <laughs> I said we didn't have to go into detail, but yes, that that's what happened to Kyle. So, um, poor decision making, um, and a year off unintentionally and some um it took a lot of negotiating to get him back in a car and get somebody that would back him in a car so in a lot I mean, of if you think about it really rick hendrick's technically still sponsoring him yes so but i mean with that though a lot of that a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot of that goes into unwritten rules is what I would put put it on. And the unwritten rule is if basically it's the same as the Miranda rights, everything you say or do can and will be used against you in the court of appeals. We saw that. We've seen that. I mean, for example, after Denny Hamlin um, got fined for his comments that he made on his podcast, William Byron came out and said that he would probably never do a podcast for that purpose. 
what makes you want to do something, what makes you want to be outspoken, what makes you want to be in the limelight or in the media light if you're going to be criticized for every single thing that you say. Yep. I mean, and that's, that is where the sport will decline and continually decline is NASCAR trying to officiate their drivers like a principal of a school. Yeah, if it's not, I mean, if, if somebody's doing what Carson Hostafar tried to do, lay the law down. But what happened with, like, Danny Hamlin and Ross Chastain at Phoenix or even Priest and Larson at Bristol Dirt, that's, they handle that themselves. There's no need for intervention. Like, that's – they did they did what they needed to do. Yeah. And, I mean – If it becomes a problem, then maybe be like, hey, guys – Let's uh, let's not continue to make everybody look like jacklegs around here. Like let's like try and race with a little bit of respect, and then if that doesn't work, be like, all right, we're taking points and we're taking money from you. Yeah, yeah. Then then start tightening up. But like, you know what made great TV in twenty twenty one? When What's Denny that? when Denny Hamlin went off the bumper of Alex Bowman and then met him at the start finish line during his burnout. Solid, solid TV. Yep. And then solid marketing. You had Denny call him a hack in his post race, and then you had Alex Bowman make T-shirts and sell them. So, but you know, Harvick got in trouble for making the Happy Crappy Parts T-shirt, and he has not really said anything since then, or done anything since then. Yep, you're shutting your uh, drivers with your outspoken drivers up. Because I mean, even even in the year before. And uh, 20, no, it was 20, yeah, in 2021 with uh, Elliot and Harvick. NASCAR didn't police that, they let them do what they needed to do. Yeah, but then NASCAR even like they, they threatened that they were going to preach he, that, police that, and they didn't. Then they tell Denny Hamlin that he manipulated the race, but it's like, well, Chase Elliott literally held Kevin Harvick up to where Kyle Larson could win because he was mad at Kevin Harvick. Mm-hmm. That is manipulating the race. Oh, 100%. And then and NASCAR letting Chase Elliott ride around a few weeks later with his bumper hanging off of his car to where if that would have been like the 15 or the 51, that would have been like black flag, 15, 51, bring it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that not NASCAR manipulating the race? Exactly. And then it leaves these guys in this this bubble of like, it's like if you say something wrong in class, you're going to get punished. So why say mm-hmm. something at all? Why Why put a target on your back in any way, shape, form, or fashion? I mean, Hendrick did the same thing of, okay, they appeal. They win their appeal, not by the hands of NASCAR, by the hands of three people that NASCAR put on the committee, and then they take two cars back to the R&D center, and lo and behold, they get fined. So, I mean, that's in, we, we all know NASCAR will never come out and stay at it, but that was intentional. They took the 48 and the 24, no doubt. But... Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, let's let's be real. Again, I I enjoy the idea of them doing it, and at least like having the presence there and the presence of mind of you're not gonna right hook a guy. But you know what? You run them hard. You run them hard. It's a racing incident. That's what it is. But you're not gonna right hook a guy. You're not gonna send a guy into the wall. But you can't sit there and 
nitpick every little thing because all you're doing is taking away the 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 liberty that the drivers feel like they have to be able to take things into their own hands to where it becomes they're going to ride around and they're going to ride around in circles and it's going to go from something entertaining to what everybody thinks it is right now and that's where they're making another left turn and another left turn. Whenever, whenever, it's the worst thing, dude. When you talk to somebody about NASCAR, and they're like, don't they just turn left? Well, if if NASCAR keeps policing the way they do, yeah. Yeah, that's all they do. So. Yeah, no, I, hate, I hate when people say that. I'm like, you gotta like, you gotta go. Like, you gotta experience a NASCAR race for you to understand that. Like, are they just turning left? Yeah. But they're turning left at. 200 miles an hour sometimes, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's an impressive feat. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame that there's been such a, uh, such a stereotype put on it. And the, the main people that can control that stereotype are not taking it in, into their control. It's, it's just, it's sad. And I, I hate it. I hate it. And it's one of those things, again, like it, it irks you because being a fan and enjoying the racing and really, I mean, I get it. That it's something that you also kind of have to understand at some tracks like Richmond. You got to understand tire fall off a little bit and pitch strategy. Yeah, like, you just got to care enough to like learn if like if you can come to appreciate the technical aspect of NASCAR and not just think about like that they're turning left and you appreciate the technical aspect. You appreciate what, who's rolling the center of a corner better, you know, what the tire fall offs doing, uh, what kind of grip compound did they put on the track? You know? Yeah. Stuff like that. Who, you know, whose equipment is who's outperforming their equipment and all that good stuff, you know? Yeah. When you dive down and look at like that deeper part of NASCAR, like, like how, how we do, as fans and like if I come to how we've come to appreciate that NASCAR is so much more than turning left. Yeah. And you know what? I, I'm I'm gonna kinda recant a little bit of what I just said. Um that I think it comes down to the broadcast too, because I'm about to make a big comparison here. Look at Major League Baseball. What do they pop up whenever a batter comes to the plate? Batting average, home runs, RBIs. They're showing you these things. They're showing you these statistics. You know what you see on NASCAR? You get a small little corner that shows their um, their tachometer and everything and what they're doing braking-wise and everything. And then you get to sometimes see lap times and see lap speeds. But otherwise, you're, you're just watching that. And I think, NAS, I think Fox and NBC as well can do a better job of being a little more statistically driven because that's another thing. Our, we don't mindlessly watch television like people used to. You you don't sit there and mindlessly watch something. You have to be engaged. So cars going around the track, that's not engaging. But if you're posting like lap time differences, like dude, when they do qualifying, when we I I love watching qualifying because you got the ghost car, you got the, I mean all the things that they put on the screen, the splits, the lap time splits, the um I guess the stage splits per se of where they are at the track during qualifying. 
and how they're mm-hmm. looking compared to the ghost car and everything. That's phenomenal information. And obviously you can't put a ghost car on screen during a race, but you can look at some splits better. You can you can be yeah. more like, okay, these two guys, Kyle Larson and Joey Logano are battling for the lead at Martinsville. Okay. I want to see both of what they got throttle wise and braking wise. And I want to see what they're doing. And why did he outperform him? And how did he outperform him? Who's so I mean, from our aspect, we get that. We we were able to see who rolled the corner better, who could who could kind of come in a little wide, downshift, cut down, and then get out on the exit and kind of stall out the guy on the outside. That makes sense to us. But if my girlfriend's sitting there watching with me, that doesn't make sense. But if you put that on screen to where you can see it and it's visible, it's going to make sense. And then it's going to engage the audience. So, because, yeah, commentary. And I feel like they the don't audience, always, but... like, put that exact, those exact statistics up there. But I do feel like Clint Boyer, being a driver, does kind of, he does do a good job of explaining, like, what the driver is feeling in the car and, like, what exactly is going on. You know, I feel like Clint Boyer does a pretty good job about explaining all that. Yeah, and I that's actually exactly where I was going, is, like, when you have him up there or you have Larry Mack in there talking, dude, it's mm-hmm. it's great. I love it. But they can only go so far. I mean, again, another thing is visuals. People need visuals. Having things mm-hmm. that pop. When Yeah, pictures that aren't like aren't whatever just, kind of cartoon characters Fox is putting up there. <laughs> what are you doing, bro? <laughs> yeah, like give us some legitimate visuals. Give us some good good things. Like that's what makes that's what makes a product sell. That's what makes it go is having the right visuals. It's not always about the product or what's going on, but being strategic with how you're presenting it. So, I mean, there's, I'm trying to think of what's something really good that just has a good visual. That's a decent product. Football. Yeah football i mean it has a lot of good visuals a lot of good statistics and that that's the other thing again it goes back to the statistics side like people that watch football man he's got this many receptions during the season he runs a uh 440 and a 40 yard dash or something along those lines uh okay he's 16 six out of 13 completions with two interceptions i mean these are statistics that i think nascar could do a better job of presenting because for us to pull statistics, when we're wanting to pull stuff to talk about, we got to go back and find it. It's not just like, oh, yeah, we, we can go back and watch the broadcast. Like, we're digging for inf- for information to get, like, down to the nitty-gritty of X, Y, Z. Like, when it came down to those pit stops, when they do the pit stops, I love it. When they show the – when they do, like, four di- different cars, four, their four picks. We talked about that at – um oh, what was – it was Richmond or – no, no, no. We were talking about the at Phoenix. Um, there was like a nine-five pit stop or something. Um, and we were talking about that compared to the eleven-five pit stops we were seeing. But seeing those those splits on like how long it took them to do a four four tire stop shows us really good information that we can then like okay, well that's how he was able to get out front. Now can he keep the lead? Again, having some more visuals, I think, would be beneficial to NASCAR because the other side of it is. How much of the screen is actually the cars on the track versus just everything else throughout? 
Yep. So I just I I think that there's there's a opportunity there to really promote some good stuff and show some really in-depth stuff that I think people that want to understand why people like NASCAR and everything would it would really benefit that demographic. And being at the age that we are, we're numbers driven, we're visual driven. Um, you're um, what Gen Zs and millennials. So seeing, I don't even know what we are, dude. We're we're like that perfect mix, you know. We're just living life. But I I identify as none of the above. (laughs) But it would just be it'd be good to have those visuals. That's that's what it comes down to is just having some more visuals, really actually seeing some more intricacies because everybody sees what what has changed in the broadcast in the last twenty years. Other than the quality of the viewing from plasma TVs to 4K. It's like, it's just the, the, they've stayed the track too similar, you know? And, and when even, I don't even think it goes as far as the statistics because the common theme right now that everybody's talking about is that they would look, rather listen to the race on the radio than watch the race. So you're Which thinking, right, I don't know if Mike Joy, like if Fox has the reins pulled back on him a little bit, because you know Mike Joy can do it, because Mike Joy hadn't gotten this far in his career without being able to do it, you know? Yeah. They're not just keeping him around because his name's Mike Joy and he's been around the sport forever. Like, they're keeping him around because of the quality of a commentator he is. Yeah. And I think what's hurting Fox so much is that that rotating seat. Next year, when Kevin Harvick's in there full time, I think that's going to help them out tremendously. Oh, that rotating seat that they have. How, how do they build chemistry with somebody to where they know that they can just rattle, 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 and then next, and then and then Clint Boyer's going to pick up off Mike Joy, and then he's going to rattle, 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 and then they're like, and then the third person's like, huh, you know, yeah. not ready because they have no chemistry. Yeah, and that's. That's something sad. And that's something like I've been seeing, you've been seeing in this year's Xfinity broadcast when like you had Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick in the booth. Dude, Joey Logano is amazing in the booth. Yeah. And Harvick, Kozlowski, Blaney, Logano, like all four of them being in the booth, like just, and with Adam Alexander, like Adam Alexander is a good commentator too. Throw him in there on Sundays. That would, help a lot you know yeah i mean just give us uh give us some more because i mean tony stewart does a pretty decent job i will say he's not terrible he does pretty good but it's not like it's not like the booth you have here's what i don't like about about tony stewart in the booth is i like unfiltered tony stewart yeah and when he's in the booth he's being really professional yeah they have the reins pulled way back so on all of them, I want I want helmet throwing Tony Booth, uh, <laughs> Tony Booth, Tony Stewart in the booth. So, but I mean, again, let us let us know your thoughts as well. Uh, everybody listening, let us know. You can reach us on our social medias. What are your thoughts on something that they can do if it's with the broadcast, with the broadcast crew in the group, if it may be visuals? What what can they do to improve the viewing experience? Because I'm going to be honest. 
Martinsville was another snooze fest like Phoenix, but what could have made that race more enticing to watch? Other than, obviously, the on-track product, what, what else could you do from a viewing standpoint to make that race more enjoyable? You know? That's, that's what we want to hear. All right. Moving on to picks. I'm now, what is it, four and one? Four and one. Denny Hamlin finished ahead of Ty Gibbs this week at Martinsville, giving me the upper hand once again. Yep. So who you got for Talladega? Talladega Super Speedway. You know, there's a lot of options out there. There's a lot of good, good Super Speedway racers. And I'm really, really torn on this pick. But I'm going to have to do it. I'm just going to have to go with my gut here. I want them for Kansas, and I may still pick them for Kansas, but I'm putting Bubba Wallace at Talladega. Great super speedway racer. I mean, yeah, I, consistently I think there. This week, with how the Fords performed at Atlanta, I'm going to have to go with, I think Brad Keselowski is going to break his tie with Dale, Dale Jr. at Talladega this year. That's a good, good pick. I I actually did not have him on my radar. Mm-hmm. So, Yep, I got Brad Kozlowski. He's going to redeem himself for Atlanta and win at Talladega. So, well. And it's the, his first win as a team owner. Yeah, that would be that would be big. So, he, like you said, he almost had it at Atlanta. I could, I could see that at Talladega. I don't know if he'll beat Bubba, but I could see it. So... But yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking Bubba Wallace wins one under green flag conditions at Talladega this year. So let us know your thoughts. Let us know who you got. Um see if uh I need to I need to start solidifying my picks when it comes to these these shorter tracks and everything. I feel pretty good about some of the quarter miles and the super speedways, but short track I just don't have it. <laughs> so I'll teach you my ways. Please do, please do. Thank you for listening to Gas is on the Right podcast with Daniel and Alan. Be sure to follow us on all of our social medias on Twitter at Gas underscore Right, Instagram and TikTok at Gas is on the Right podcast. Be sure to tune in next week. And remember, the gas is on the right.